Hey everyone, and welcome back to the multi-dimensional journey. This is your host, Ayahuasca Carr, and this will probably be the last podcast for at least two months. Um, we are talking about one of my favorite topics, Ayahuasca integration, and I hope you guys enjoy it. But first, we will hear a little bit from our sponsors. All right, guys, welcome back to the Multidimensional Journey podcast. This is your host, Ayahuasca Carr, and it has been quite some time since I have been on here. So thank you guys um, who continue to come back and listen. Um, It's been kind of spotty. And a little update for you all. Um, I'm going through a pretty large transition right now. I'm trying to decide, you know, where things are going to go with the podcast and many other things I'm doing um, in terms of, you know, um, my coaching work and my online social media. Um, So if you notice some changes along the way, um, just know that is what is happening. Um, I've also kind of been putting my head down a little bit more as um, I am preparing to leave to Peru for about two months. I'll be attending the Ayahuasca Foundation uh, Shamanic Initiation course, which basically is eight weeks of um, taking a lot of ayahuasca and we get to facilitate for each other and really immerse ourselves in this incredible culture. And to be really honest with you, I can't tell you everything because um, it's going to be quite the experience which I'm really excited to share with all of you when I get back. So uh, it's definitely going to be quiet here on the podcast um, for the next two months, but just know, um, yeah, changes are coming, things are coming. I don't really know how all of that is going to come into fruition, but I am definitely working on it. Um, But as this podcast is titled today, I really wanted to hop on here and talk about some beautiful, incredible, um, and much needed, right? Uh, ayahuasca integration. And my last podcast was about ayahuasca preparation. And I often think that anything you do in preparation can definitely be used, um, in integration. So I made a list here in front of me. I'm going to go through it and, um, maybe add some things along the way that maybe come up in the flow of just expressing, um, myself on here. So let's get to it. Yeah. So, um, so of course, integrating an ayahuasca experience, um, at least in my experience, and of course, um, it's different for everyone, um, has always been a pretty, um, challenging, complex, and, uh, long process task. (laughs) But definitely, I wanted to go over some highlights of like how to feel grounded, how to feel safe, how to reestablish some um, normalcy in the psyche and in the body, as we all know, um, or maybe you don't, but an ayahuasca experience is most of the time very expansive. Um, It can also be very contracting too, meaning... Maybe you come up against a lot of resistance. You saw things you didn't want to see. You felt things you didn't want to see. And at the same time, it's still an opportunity to look at um, look at yourself and look at what came up um, in your own consciousness. And a lot of the times we're 
revealed things way beyond our consciousness. So, um, so I wrote some things down here. Let's kind of go through them together. Um, so I wrote journaling your experience and I wrote, or better yet, record them on video. And if I could go back in time, I definitely would have videotaped myself through my experiences, which I definitely plan on doing when I go to Peru. Um, in my experiences, I've had, um, I've had about 28 now and not that the number matters by the way. Um, and I've learned a lot in terms of how I've approached my own process. Um, I've tried to write down every experience, but, um, like I've maybe wrote them in different phones and I switched phones and somehow I lost it or I wrote it in journals and they kind of get spread out everywhere. And, um, so I definitely want to be better in the future about like kind of condensing the information as it is so, so valuable. Right. Um, and, um, like I said, I feel like a video could be so much more, um, revealing over time as you watch the structure of your face change, your affect, your body language, even your voice. Um, this medicine really changes us. And as we do the work, we change like physically, literally from the inside out. I've watched people's physical appearance change. And I can't say that always happens. But for a lot of us, you know, if you think about the things that we're working on, on a physiology level, you know, working on the mechanisms of the central nervous system, working on, you know, not being stuck in certain states like fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, that ends up showing in the external, right? You find out who you really are and that starts to shine through the sincerity, the authenticity where before maybe you felt like you were putting on a mask and, um, so all these subtle changes over time, I think now that I've learned, um, really looking forward to filming myself when I'm in the jungle and to watch the subtle changes. Um, and I got this idea originally from the, um, the movie or the documentary, The Last Shaman. There's actually a hyperlapse in the documentary of what he physically goes through when he does his plant diet. Um, and there's a drastic shift um, you can watch how he, um, gains more confidence and he like kind of talks about all the, all the downloads he's getting. And sometimes it's like this stuff comes in so fast, especially right after ceremony that it's like so hard to remember. And sometimes it's like, it's so hard to even get it all down on paper. So, um, and I also have voice recorded in the past, but I definitely think the way to go to document it for me going forward will be a video and then I think to kind of integrate that more so um, writing down makes that mind-body connection so don't throw writing completely outside of the door or the window it's definitely a, a good tool still um, so that is uh, number one uh, number two on here of course if you guys have been listening to the podcast or just following me um, or just following anybody who's into this stuff, right? We always talk about mindfulness. We talk about mindfulness and how important a mindfulness practice is. And most of those who I listen to and talk about why this is so important is the ability to 
observe and be present. Um, and this is so, so helpful. Jeez, whether, whether you decide to do ayahuasca or not, right? Um, as most of you know, I'm also a trauma-informed um, folk. You know, I hang out with the trauma-informed crowd. So mindfulness um, develops that observer mindset. So, you know, finding a practice, because there's so many different ways to cultivate mindfulness, um, and finding the way that works for you. You know, if, if working with a coach, working with a practitioner, working with a therapist to really drill down on what is it that I can be mindful about to begin to have some space in between my internal experience and my reaction, my, the space between my, like who I actually am and like all these thoughts I'm thinking to have some space between, you know, my soul and my emotional experience. So I can tweeze out the mental, the physical and the emotional between like my spirit, you know, it's all about creating space inside. And finding a practice that works for you is really, really important. Like I said, there's so many different ways that you can really cultivate um, a practice that works for you. For the longest time, for me, it was just focusing and anchoring my breath. Um, And as I expand into more somatic work, um, into like movement and voice and breath work and all these incredible expressions of the pure body. Um, mindfulness, of course, in the end, um, as you will discover, can be transferred to anything. Yet we got to like, you know, go to the gym, right? We got to go to the mental gym and, and kind of figure it out. And um, an app that I highly recommend that is so accessible and continues to impress me over and over again, and I recommend it to all my clients, um, is the Calm app. The Calm app has um, a mood check-in, a daily reflection, a journal. It has mindfulness programs, 30-day programs, even has DJs on there making incredible meditation music. Um, I continue to be so um, impressed with the app. So that is something if you don't know where to start, you don't know where to begin, um, the mindfulness programs on the Calm app are incredible. And actually, I just want to mention someone in particular. Um, I did Jeff Warren's 30-day mindfulness program on there. And I can't tell you um, how much in depth he goes into. He talks about the monkey mind, creating an internal anchor, how to work with internal, um, you know, anchoring and how to spread that out externally. He talks about his stories about mindfulness and so many different things. So, um, yeah, so definitely can't, um, you know, recommend that enough. Yeah, so let's go to number three. Okay, I wrote, understand there are no quick fixes. Patience. And I really wish this just wasn't the truth, guys. But, um, I mean, I've had to discover with myself and also with my clients and the people um, I've helped over the years is that there's just, and even people, I mean, um, anyone who's on a self-exploration, self-development, overcoming anxiety, depression, uh, complex trauma, trauma, family of origin, like all of this stuff, right? There just is no quick thing. 
it's it's all about the daily practice and I guess what I'm learning too it's definitely about having compassion and understanding for maybe older versions of ourselves as we emerge into new versions it's about understanding um the different aspects of our psyche, our parts, why they they were developed in the first place, knowing we can, you know, put those defenses down now. Um, and I'm just kind of going going here, um, free free stream of consciousness. But it's just there's it's all um, it, it's just a lot of intention, you know, um, and that includes resting and like turning off your phone and getting off of social media and just being in your own world, by the way. I think sometimes I I even get so caught up in the psychedelic renaissance, the psychedelic explosion that is just like, right? It is like melting right in front of my eyes every single day on my phone screen and all the incredible things that are happening. And it's also good to hit the pause button so kind of a tangent there, but um, patience with yourself, um, knowing that it's it's a day-by-day process, sometimes an hour by hour, sometimes a minute by minute, um, especially when we're working through those those triggers, right? So um, so yeah, let's see. Um, so I actually wrote a different one, but I'm gonna I'm actually gonna go to this one next. So I wrote down um, parts work. So something that I discovered uh, last year, and I've heard of it before as something called ego state work, which is a whole different form, approach, and therapy, which are actually working with states of your ego. And I think as we've kind of made our way into the mind-body connection as a, as a unity, I really see this unification happening right now across all fields coaching, counseling, consulting, we're all really coming together and like the mind-body connection exists. It can no longer be ignored. Your practice must include the body and it also needs to include the mind, but dominantly for a really, really long time, especially in the West, we've been mind-oriented and we've neglected the body. So um, ego state work is very, very, you know, ego, you know, you're working on the states of consciousness. For example, um, maybe you have an ego state that is uh, angry and you um, can identify the age of it. Okay, so that would be one ego state and they have an entire narrative and set of preferences and things that they want and they don't want. And then there's another ego state Maybe it's five years old. It, it, it holds within the innocence and the joy. And um, they have a set of preferences and all these sorts of things. And so there's um, so there's all these kind of fall under parts work, right? So there's ego state work. And then something else that I um, discovered last year, which was something called internal family systems. And if you don't know about it, I highly recommend you check it out because it just helps clarify um, some of the things that could be happening subconsciously. So um, I like how pee-pee, people have, um, <laughs> sorry guys, um, I don't, I don't edit these. So, um, <laughs> so, 
so I'm slipping of the words. Um, people, um, we kind of, um, these defense mechanisms we have, right? And our uh, defenses in internal family systems can also be labeled as managers and protectors. And I thought this was really interesting. This is very specific to the internal family systems approach. And um, yeah, it kind of like really contextualizes and helps you articulate like what that defense is or helps you, you know, when we say trigger, you know, a trigger means so many things. It's such a vast word, but there's so much happening in a trigger. And I think the internal family system um, gives context to like a fight, flight, freeze, or fawn response. For example, um, if I'm feeling righteous um, about how someone crossed my boundary and I get really angry and I'm really fused, that's also internal family systems. They talk about getting fused to a part um, and I'm really in it, you know, and I'm in my flight center and I'm fused to this part, which is usually about um, 12 years old. And um, it's kind of like, how dare you? And um, and now I have the awareness to pair the flight response, excuse me, the fight response, the fight response with um, this experience I'm having, you know. So internal family systems really helps someone realize Um, there's many, many parts inside and there's one thing that, um, it really emphasizes, which I really like, um, everyone has a true self, you know, or, you know, um, sometimes referred to as the higher self. Um, and so IFS assumes from like the get go that like there's a true self inside and then there's all these other managers and protectors and these other parts um and the whole goal is to integrate all of them and have them you know be in harmony for the most part but I think the main um goal is to know that um they can negotiate the parts can negotiate and renegotiate and of course we're only going over a little bit of here on the podcast, but it's just really, really good work. And, um, you know, going back to the ayahuasca part, because we're talking about ayahuasca integration here, you know, a lot of our parts are revealed in ceremony, right? Like we have these really wounded uh, memories of childhood come up, you know, maybe we were bullied, maybe we were neglected in our families, maybe we suffered some sort of emotional neglect or abuse or sexual trauma, Um, or even in our adult lives, right? Relational neglect, just feeling isolated, lonely, uh, you name it, right? So the parts work gives a framework to kind of continuing to integrate this. So that was a mouthful. Um, hope you're, hopefully you guys are taking notes here. Um, so let's take, let's kind of pause on some of the cognitive stuff, um, And I'll say one more thing about parts work. I do want to mention um, inner child work. And that is very, very powerful. And um, I'm not going to go into too much detail on this podcast since I have another podcast all about it. And if you check out my YouTube channel, I have 
tons of videos on on inner child work. Um, so please check those out. But that is not to be minimized just because I'm escaping over it. It's it's probably one of the most powerful and potent ways to approach integration, especially for those of you who are wanting a trauma-informed way to prepare for ayahuasca or integrate. So, okay, I wanted to move to like some more somatic work. Um, so we're going to start off with um, basically soma or somatic is referring to the body. And more specifically, how the body is holding the experience that's happening inside you know, how am I, and one word that's very powerful, that's, um, well, first of all, I can't, I can't talk about this without mentioning Dr. Peter Levine, who has been a pioneer of this incredible work. And, um, he's definitely started, um, the Renaissance around, I think, making, this okay to talk about. I think for a long time, it didn't feel okay to talk about this unless you were like in a therapist's office. But now if you go on social media, this stuff is everywhere. So it's like, I really think he was the 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 forerunner of this. I'm not too sure if you say it like that, the forefront, but he's an incredible man and very grateful for his work. So somatic refers to how the body is holding the sensations or the experience that is happening. So for example... We talked about triggers earlier. So if you're feeling triggered and you're feeling really angry, how are you holding that anger? And as Peter Levine says, how are you befriending the sensations that are happening inside and staying present with the sensations, you know, if available, it doesn't always happen so perfectly, but that is the goal is to stay present with the sensations to resource the body enough, um, to keep it under or in the window of tolerance and not to go over the somatic threshold. And it's very complicated, um, to kind of explain, but if you think about it, you know, if you're, if you're really, really stressed out and you come home and you got a bunch of other stressful things to to deal with um, in the age that most of us were going to work. I guess I work from home now, but just kind of pulling in an example. Um, you're pushing on your capacity to hold stress. And now you're entering a window of you're, you're basically going out of the window of tolerance and going over your threshold. And um, for a really long time... Um, I think we just refer to this as like a fight, flight, freeze, and didn't really contextualize it the way that somatic work has. Um, And so when you do somatic work, it's very bottom up work. So, so it's top down work is very cognitive. That's your cognitive behavioral therapies. That's your affirmation work. That's your, Hey, let's try and think about a different narrative. Let's um, use our logic. And somatic work is the complete opposite. It's like, get out of meaning making, get out of narrative land, stop thinking about it and just feel about it. Just feel. And it's all about getting comfortable in the feeling of the sensations. So, and there's a lot of different practice practices that um, are that include that, which include like yoga and dance 
and you know voice making and noise making um and of course um there's an explosion right now happening with the incredible breathwork world um and so these are all really really good for integration and of course as we're going through this podcast you really got to decide for yourself what is gonna work for you what do you resonate with what practitioner feels right for you you know um, what practice feels good for you in this season, you know, um, it's good to play with things and experience things. Um, so I wanted to talk specifically about intentional breath work and intentional meaning basically you're being intentional about it, just as intentional as you're going to be with your ayahuasca, right? So, you know, using it in such a way that, um, you know, you're, you're either looking to regulate the central nervous system to help release, to be cathartic with it. Um, there's so many different types of breath work, um, and you can use them, you know, just for an example, like a Wim Hof breath work or breath of fire can be very functional. You can do a short session in the morning for focus, or if you're feeling kind of stuck and you're feeling stagnant, um, or even angry and you want to release, right? So oftentimes when we're feeling stuck, that can be a sign that like, hey, I need to move the body. I need to do something to work this out. And a bottom-up approach sometimes can be way more effective than a top-up, top-down, because sometimes we're just so stuck in our stress or maybe we're stuck in our own dissociation and that just doesn't feel right, right? We need to get into the feeling body. So... um doing some breath work where you actually lay down, put some headphones on, create a nice little, you know, playlist for yourself, do a nice diaphragmatic warm up in through the nose and out through the mouth, you know, and then allow yourself to begin to roll through the conscious connected breathing, which is just in and out through the mouth. And if you guys have any questions about that or want to see more of that, you can look up my YouTube channel um, and I have videos on breath work and how to do a breath work session for yourself. And, um, and you know, doing it for 10, 20, 30 minutes, 30 minutes is pushing it for me, but, um, and you will get a release, you know, um, the support of the, um, the music and you letting go and surrendering to whatever is happening, right, which is a part of the intentional portion of it, will help you move the energy, the emotion, get to a place of release. And if, you know, to let out like some good, healthy anger, like, you know, like, you know, yelling in a pillow or making noises. This is where I feel like breath work really shines is that, you know, for us Westerners, we don't really have a lot of ways in which we talk about openly that we can have full self-expression and I feel like breath work is like one of those practices that's like is like it's taking counseling and wellness and all these different things and it's like bam like we can fully express and feel and like use this tool that is our birthright and break through anything and um, as you can see, I'm very passionate about breath work. Um, so 
And then ending the session with a nice soothing, integrating song and that sort of thing. Um, And then journaling about it and using that as a way to also integrate some of the things that have come up in your ayahuasca experiences. So, um, yeah, so we talked. um, And by the way, there are so many ways you can do somatic work, but I'm really, I'm really trying to keep this under like 35 minutes, guys. So, um. I'm going to move to therapy land. So especially for those guys who, you know, you know you have some sort of trauma or complex trauma, um, getting with a therapist who's trained in EMDR or somatic experiencing uh, or a coach who, um, who knows about organic intelligence. That's another form of somatic work that's very structured and has a whole set of coping skills, just like somatic experiencing. Um, These are all ways to work with someone one-on-one and help you develop the skill set to navigate your fight-flight-free systems, um, to process old memories that are maybe hooking you in to those fight-flight-free systems, um, it's very, very helpful work. I personally did three years of EMDR work. Um, and I'll, I'll be, I'll, I'll let you guys know this. Like I first tried to do somatic experiencing when I came to this way before I ever came to ayahuasca and somatic experiencing felt like an invasive, like it just, for some people who have, you know, childhood trauma or complex trauma or, or just, you know, whatever, whatever label you want to put on it, sometimes going inside doesn't even feel good, right? So that's why I think people have created things like trauma-informed yoga, trauma-informed mindfulness, trauma-informed fill-in-the-blank because, you know, some people need a specialized structure to be like, um, to create safety in the body before we even go in and to to even create, I guess you could say, some education around it because to be honest, in my spiritual crisis that I had when I was 27 I mean all I knew is that I was miserable and I needed help and I didn't really know you know how or what was going to help me and EMDR felt way more safe because I was in control of the process and EMDR it's very um client-led um which so is somatic experiencing, but there's a lot more internal processing um, that no one really sees. Um, And I just feel like it felt safer. So I just kind of want to put that out there for anyone who's curious about, about those approaches. And you can feel free to course ask me more questions about the differences. I think you got to find what works for you, but I just kind of wanted to put that in there. Um, so kind of just to end that part, you know, the EMDR, somatic experiencing, organic intelligence, all mind body connected therapies that are evidence based that are shown to really work. Um, and in general, just working with someone who's going to understand this kind of work, like not everyone's into psychedelics, not everyone's into the ayahuasca. And I think it's good to be mindful of that and to know you're being matched with someone who's going to, at the very least, um, show compassion, understanding, and be non-judgmental. Um, 
so i wanted to end with the podcast um just letting you guys know that um remember that plant medicines are you know they're still illegal in the united states so when we talk about ayahuasca on here um there it's definitely in regards to you know um not promoting any sort of illegal use of anything for that matter but definitely ayahuasca and just remember that you know none of the things that are said on the podcast can be used to replace um, professional medical or mental health advice i heard someone say something the other day and it's like i am a therapist but i'm not your therapist so keep that in mind (laughs) um so yeah if you guys have questions comments um please reach out to let me know um and i'm really looking forward to coming back from peru and sharing with you all the wonderful things um that i will be experiencing and um will be life-changing of course so i hope you guys enjoyed another episode of the multi-dimensional journey and i will see you guys soon take care of yourselves be well and of course as always remember why you came here